0: We read again here in Ephesians 3. To me, though I am the very least of all of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is for your glory. For most of my life, I have struggled with this matter that the Apostle Paul brings to us here in these words, that of humility. And may I give this word a further defining focus by calling it humility of soul. I struggle because my personality does not naturally lend itself towards humility. I am instead naturally presumptuous. With arrogance always lurking only one step away described by some as a type A personality. My mind and my soul are constantly striving within me, uh, seldom ever resting, always searching, always reaching for the next thing to do or the next thing to accomplish or achieve. Now, corporate bosses, they usually like uh, that sort of personality within their work especially within their leaders. But again, as I said a moment ago, for the person themselves, for myself, it presents itself as a continuous struggle and drive and even turmoil that brews and foments within my mind and especially within my soul. So simply put, living with my kind of personality is never an easy or comfortable condition. May I add that we should not be confused by the outward appearance of this sort of personality. Because it can present itself in many ways. It is sometimes outward and presumptuous as with my own. But at other times it can be cloaked within an inward aggression. A personality that today's psychologists call passive-aggressive. But however it presents itself, it is, at its essence, broken and in need of help. Now, in contrast to my type A personality is the type B personality. And may I give you the simplest definition I could find in my Wikipedia dictionary. There I read, People with type B personalities generally live at a lower stress level and typically work steadily, enjoying achievement but not becoming stressed when they do not achieve. When faced with competition, they do not mind losing and either enjoy the game or back down. They may be creative and enjoy exploring ideas and concepts. They are often reflective, thinking about the outer and inner worlds. Now this definition of type B personality seems blissfully calm and serene to me. But may I also say somewhat tongue-in-cheek that this definition may have been written by a frustrated type A personality who wishes he or she uh, could have this blissful existence. And in reality, this kind of personality may not really exist. Those type B people probably just hide the real truth and what's going on uh, beneath the surface in their souls. Now I say that again, tongue in cheek. Um, But why am I bringing these personality comparisons to us today? It's because within this person of the Apostle Paul, we are presented with what appears to be the epitome of a type A personality. Now yes, these words are the absolute words of the Holy Spirit, but God has wonderfully passed them through the personalities of the writers so that you and I can better identify with them. And and this man, Paul, has the epitome of a type A personality. And in all that we read about him in the early days of his life, He truly was presumptuous, arrogant, demanding, and continually driven to carry out the beliefs and philosophies that he held as being right. And the more power and the more authority that was given to him, the worse he became. Bringing to mind the modern uh, saying that power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Paul assumed himself to be right, in all of his beliefs, and he went about with all diligence, carrying forward the response that he believed to be appropriate, imprisoning and even killing many who had placed their faith in Christ. What I'm describing for us here today is arrogant pride. The belief that I'm right. Absolutely right. And further, if you or anyone else stands in my way, I will walk over you. Now then, contrast that condition of soul with the condition of soul that developed within the Apostle Paul after he had placed his own faith in Christ and after he had received the Holy Spirit into himself. Here in verse 8 we read immediately, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And then in verse 13 he says, So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. The arrogance and the self-pride that once so strongly controlled the life and behavior of the Apostle Paul now seems gone, replaced by a deep abiding sense of humility. thinking here about the Apostle Paul, I'm reminded of the words of the hymn at Calvary. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. From what we read in these scriptures, we know that the words of this hymn really did fit the Apostle Paul's personality very well. He'd been brought up, In an upscale lifestyle. His father was a Pharisee. He's a Pharisee. Classically trained, we understand, in the scriptures by some of the best rabbinical authorities. And he truly was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, as he described himself. He learned well and he firmly believed all that he had been taught. So much so, so much so that he was willing to kill anyone who defied what he believed to be the law of God. So yes, as the words of that hymn refrain, years I, he, spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Now was Paul actually present at the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus? It's not none. Probably not. Probably not. But by his early behavior of hunting down and persecuting those who followed after Christ, we can know that even with all of his extensive training in the best rabbinical schools, where he was taught all about a Messiah who would come to die, he had no doubt read Isaiah 53, probably on many occasions. And he may have actually written some of those words. I I don't know. But he knew all about this Messiah. But he did not know the real plan of God. But then, thanks be to God, Paul did later come to this understanding of God's purposes in the crucifixion of Christ. And he later wrote uh, at length about the absolute necessity. Of the salvation uh, for the uh, of the the crucifixion for the salvation of men's souls, he said in First Corinthians two: "For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified." What was it that brought this change within the soul of the apostle Paul? What was it? What was it that took place that brought Paul from where he was in those earlier years, years spent in vanity and pride? What was it? The change began as we have read uh, on many occasions as Paul was on his way to Damascus. He was going there to persecute some more Christians. He believed so strongly in what he understood to be right. And so he was going there to persecute more, to imprison and even kill uh, many of those who had turned their hearts to Christ. And it was on that road to Damascus that God first got hold of Paul. And God was not at all gentle with him. Knocked him to the ground, blinded him. But more than that, more than that, change took place then on the inside, deep within Paul's soul. Changes, listen, changes that can only take place by the personal hand of God. Changes that are like those that are spoken about in Ezekiel 36, where God says, I will give you a new heart and I'll give you a new spirit and I'll remove that old heart of stone from your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules Ezekiel thirty six. And then also listen to these words of the apostle Paul in first Corinthians chapter two. Here he humbly describes the work of the Holy Spirit within him. Listen to these words. And I, this is first Corinthians two beginning verse one, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. That's humility Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart to you a secret and hidden wisdom of God. I love those words. I love the mystery which God decreed before the ages for your glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him, these things God has revealed to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Spiritual change can never take place within the soul of men solely by a person's own effort. And we have to understand that. We don't believe that. We can say those words, we can say them over and over again, but mostly we believe that we can do changes with our own effort. But it is not something that's possible. Belief that we can somehow alter that which is natural within us, my natural personality of of arrogance and pride. Or even those learned behaviors the, the very idea that we can change those has been a fallacy that has, has led so many people astray and still does. Real effectual change for the good is simply not possible solely through human effort. And, and it's not possible either, uh, when we add such efforts as counseling or therapy or other kinds of add-ons, medication, whatever. Changes within the soul, good changes, must come from a whole other source. It must come through the Spirit of God. And no other way. No other way. For the Apostle Paul to go from being a man that was filled with arrogance and pride, caring not his Lord was crucified, to becoming this humble man that we read about here in these words. That's humility at its best. The complete opposite of the arrogance and pride that ruled Paul's life before he surrendered himself to Christ. Here's change, real change within the soul. Not just on the surface, but in, to the depths of his soul. Now did these changes remove the human personality that God had born into Paul? His type A personality? Not really you still see that same uh, kind of personality being exhibited throughout the rest of his life. Why would God not just change his personality, make him into a sweeter, gentler person? It's because a type A personality in the hands of a wise God can be an extremely useful and beneficial tool. God simply added his Holy Spirit into the spirit and personality of Paul. Just as he said there in Ezekiel 36. Transforming and and conforming Paul's personality from its arrogance and, and its corruption into the holiness of Christ. Making it a useful vessel for God's purposes. Paul was changed. And he was changed forever. But then may I also take a moment to remind us that we're to always be on our guard. Paul was on his guard. Our old sinful self will always try to resurrect itself, tempting us to go back into that wilderness from whence we came. That was so with the Apostle Paul. Read Romans chapter 7. It is filled with the struggle that he would go through as he would be tempted to go back into that wilderness. Verse 15 of Romans chapter 7, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Folks, that is the nature of sin. That is the nature of sin. Recall those words back in Genesis 4 when just before Cain went out to kill his brother Abel, the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face down uh, fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not, listen, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Sin is our most present enemy, a natural predator that continually desires to have us and to control us. And if the sins of arrogance and pride are our natural personality traits and bents, then they are a handy weapon in the hands of sin and Satan. And they will surely resurrect themselves within us whenever we allow it. So we must always be on our guard. But again, as we mentioned earlier, a type A personality in the hands of a wise God, humbly surrendered to God, is an extremely useful and beneficial tool for God's purposes. One of the things that is typical within the type A personality that the Apostle Paul had there is that they're always doers. They're always doers. Paul fervently was a doer. And he became even more fervent after he was saved. So our fervency doesn't change. It just changes direction into a Christ-centered ministry as took place with him. And so he's able to say these words, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Paul was always a powerful force to be reckoned with. And once God changed his soul, he became a powerful force for the salvation of just untold numbers of souls into God's kingdom, including you and me. Here Paul even encourages his brothers to not lose heart or to feel sorry for him as he suffers for this gospel. He was humbly willing to suffer whatever he needed to suffer for the purposes of God. God. Folks, This is what takes place within a person's soul when God's Holy Spirit comes to live within it. God changes it from its broken and corrupt ways into a vessel that is fit for His holy plans and purposes. Arrogance and pride turns to humility and service and sacrifice. Now may I ask you, now you know this truth, may I ask you, have you taken time to examine your own soul. Unless you're willing to do that, these words are useless. Even more than that, have you humbly gotten down on your knees and asked the Spirit of God to examine your soul? Have you done that personally? Most likely, you may be like me or Paul or most every other person. While we might not necessarily have Uh, thought that we have a type A or type B personality, we are corrupt. We may be outwardly pushy or inwardly defiant, but whatever our personality is, however it's manifested, we are, listen, we are nonetheless prideful and arrogant, always believing ourselves to be right. It is the nature of the human soul. But please listen. Listen. Your soul can be changed. My soul can be changed. And it has been. And I believe it has been for most all of you. But listen, it must be changed. Not just that it can be. It must be. Or else you will never see the kingdom of God. Neither in this life nor in the life to come. So may I plead with us may I plead with you to humbly get on your knees and ask God to do within your soul what He did in the Apostle Paul's soul. And to not hold back. Don't cry out for mercy and grace, or mercy at least, when God starts His work, because sometimes it's painful. Most often it is. But your and my whole eternity depends on us listening. May I close by reading some of the words of this hymn at Calvary. And may I plead with you to think about your own soul as I'm reading these words. And we're going to sing this in a moment. Listen, years I spent in vanity and pride. Caring not my Lord was crucified. Knowing not it was for me He died on Calvary. By God's word, at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. Now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. All the love that drew salvation's plan. All the grace that brought it down to man. All the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Let's pray.